Hey, good evening. Pastor John here. Um, uh, so excited about tonight. I feel like God's really going to do something. He's been doing something here every night. There's been different ministry happening um, here. Uh, just got some you know, quick reports about you know, when God you know, speaks you know, to his people, through his people. It's a really good thing. And that's, that's, one, of the, you know, that's one of the benefits of I mean, I'm so thankful for the people who, who are not able to come and, and you're, you're watching online and you're, you're participating and you're praying at home. I love that. And I'm very thankful for all the ones that are coming because there's something about, you know, assembling together. There's something about that that is really good. We want to use wisdom. And, uh, and I've been, if I'm off the stage, you know, I'll wear a mask and stuff. But So we want you to come. If you're anywhere, you know, in the area where you can come on these nightly, uh, every night at 7 p.m., Doors open at 6.45. Come. Feel free to come. Uh, it's laid back, and we're seeking the Lord. And, um, and I was just explaining to everyone here that as we, we worship, we, we want to pray. We want to pray with being, being Scripture-fed in our prayers. We want to pray with an open Bible. We want to pray the Word of God, because the Word of God is the will of God. And see, we're on day 44, I think it is, and of the 50 days of preparation and but it's day four of our prayer focus and so we've been here meeting every night and we're going to keep going all the way till the 29th of may that friday night um and i'm taking a night off and i'm probably going to go have a steak praise the lord and uh and then sunday we're going to come i might have two a double portion and then sunday is uh sunday um sunday we are uh uh, day 43, check that, because I think it's day 44. Somebody check that for so Check. Yeah, okay. So um, so what's going to happen on, on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to come. We're having three services, guys. We thought about having service out in the yard, and have it, we thought, thought about a bunch of different things and just really felt peace uh, about just having three different services. And so uh, we're going to have some more information coming out this next week about how... Because, you know, we can't just assume everyone's going to show up just systematically at the right service. So uh, we'll, we'll send some information out about that. If you've got questions about it, you can call the church office. But we'll have a 9 a.m., a noon, and um, a 6 p.m. that evening. And that evening service will be the same teaching from that morning. So you don't need to go to all three. Um, you don't even need to go to two. Just go to one. Give, give time for other people to come. And we'll put one of those online uh, so you can participate online in, in that Sunday. And I'll be praying a specific prayer. I just sense the Lord wanted me on that Pentecost Sunday uh, to pray a specific prayer. And when I talk about Pentecost Sunday, like moving from Passover to Pentecost, which this whole 50 days has been about, dates and times you know, are, are, are important, and we want to honor them, but we don't want to lift them up uh, to something that they're not supposed to be. So it's Pentecost Sunday, but guys, we're going to be living in Pentecost. Pentecost is about the Feast of Harvest and, and, and receiving harvest. And, and so we believe it's a time of harvest. And it's not about that specific Sunday. It's about what God is doing with, with releasing a harvest. And I still believe that, that in, in 2020, that God is opening supernatural doors of increase and favor beyond anything we have seen or experienced before. That's what I believe. And um, tonight we'll be talking a little bit about favor. I want you to open your Bible to the, the book of Acts. We're going to go in two places. We're going to be in Acts 
4, and then we're also going to go to the book of Zechariah. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, tonight we're actually, on day 44, we're going to be talking about praying like Zechariah. Each night we've talked about, we've talked about like in the promised land how, how wherever you are, wherever God has brought you out of Egypt, if you're one day out of Egypt, you can, you can be used of God to pray and to bring and to lead somebody else to where you are. That what God does in you, He wants to do through you. And you don't have to wait for you to get a master's degree and a PhD before you start doing it, but you, you, and you can't bring people to where you've not been. And so wherever God has brought you, then you can, through prayer, prayer first, and then through your example, the example of your life and the fruit of your life, you can begin to lead other people to where you are. And so we've talked about praying like Moses, bringing people out of Egypt. We talked about praying like Joshua and Caleb, bringing people through, that, through the wilderness to have that prophetic heart of spying out the land to bring them into the land. Last night, we talked about those who were in Babylon uh, prayed to be Daniel-like, and man, that could have been five or six nights by itself. The book of Daniel is like a prayer book all, and that releases visions and prophecy and, and stuff. It, last night, man, it was hard not to teach a lot. Uh, and probably tonight, like, probably like every night, it's probably the same. But y'all, y'all know your pastor, you love your pastor. Uh, and, and so we're going to be talking tonight about praying back into the land, having a comeback, praying into a comeback, which is praying like Zechariah. Because uh, Zechariah, the word Zechariah, the name Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. So when we are in a place where we've forgotten and we're confused about what God's call is on our life, Yahweh remembers. And Zechariah is going to help us to remember what God's called us to so we can pray people, pray people back into the calling on their life. Back into what God has created. So we're going to balance between Acts chapter 4 and, um, and Zechariah. Just the whole book, which I, I'm just trusting the Lord to bring me through it. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We honor you. We bless you. We speak peace over every household represented here. And we come tonight to lift up your name, to praise you, to glorify you, not just for us, but for our city, for our region, God. And we just thank you for all that you are doing and will continue to do in our life. Teach us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, uh, Acts chapter 4. Hopefully some of y'all read Acts chapter 4. I want to do what I did last night. And I know you watching can't hear what they're saying, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it and make it, make it short and sweet and, and, and give you what they're saying. But the people who are here, just raise your hand. I want you to share it uh, um, because I promise you, if, if you share something that's really dumb, I'll make it sound good. I promise you, I'll make it sound good. So don't worry about being fearful. But did anybody, did anything pop out to you as you're reading Acts chapter 4? Uh, just think about that for a second because guys, every day we're reading a chapter now uh, today has been chap- Acts chapter 4. Tomorrow we're going to be reading Acts chapter 5. So anybody in Acts chapter 4, did anything pop out to you, uh, just raise your hand, get my attention, and, and uh, everyone's quiet, everyone's scared. Okay, yes ma'am. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so she's talking about the persecution that we see in Acts chapter 4 and how, see, when, when the Spirit of God begins to move through people that have a prayer life, because notice, Acts chapter 4, you know, and this is like high intense biblical stuff here. Acts chapter 4 comes after Acts chapter 3, which comes after, Act, right, hey, you might want to write that down, <laughs> comes after Acts chapter 2. And the reality is that what we're seeing in Acts chapter 4 is, is, is a is a fruit of Acts chapter 1. These were praying people. These were people who were prevailing in prayer. Their lifestyle, their lifestyle was prevailing in prayer. They were committed to, to walk with God. They were devoted to the teaching of the Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship with one another, fellowshipping with people of one heart and one mind. And they broke bread and they ate bread with gladness of heart and, and they had this, this community of fellowship and they, they were devoted to prayer. They were committed to prayer. So what happens through, through a process of, of people who are choosing the right lifestyle, God begins to move through them. And, and so Acts chapter 4, the church is growing. They're at 5,000 men, not including men and women and children. And the miracle had happened where the, the man was healed. And now the authorities, are the, the, the Jewish authorities who don't want you know, the name of Jesus to be preached, they persecute them. And we get to see in Acts chapter 4 what the early church did in the face of persecution. And I believe there is a time for, the, for a church in a nation to stand up in the name of God and stand up and declare things against political tyrants or whatever. I believe there is a time for that. But the first thing we need to do is pray. Because you will silence the enemy by the good works. And so that she talked about the power. And when the power was released, a miracle happened, a persecution came. And the church didn't go whiny baby stuff about, they just stood in boldness. Boldness is a word I see all throughout this chapter. You see boldness all throughout the chapter. Did anybody else see anything else that, that really stood out to you? The unity. The unity. When they Yeah. 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 Down at, towards the end of the going towards the middle end of the chapter, they 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 gathered together. So what happened is they came and they were persecuted, and and it's funny the religious leaders. Uh, uh, Jim was just talking about they they rate the the people of God raised their voice together. They lifted their voice, raised their voice together in prayer. But yet there wasn't like, you know, they weren't looking at a sheet. I mean, they had scriptures, but it's probably more like one person leading and the rest coming in agreeing and praying and in agreement, you know, with, with that voice. But the process that you see is, is really cool. Like to me, the, the, the phrase, if, look in chapter, chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, and, and you see all this, lots, man, Again, it could be 10 nights looking at Acts chapter 4. But one of the things I really feel like we need to see is verse 13. Look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been 
with Jesus. So these are these religious leaders who are highly trained, highly educated in the scriptures, and they're looking at, at Peter and John, and it's just so funny to me. The first thing they notice is these guys, you know, they're they're one they're they're happy meals a fry short, you know. Like they're uneducated, they're untrained men, but yet they're doing these miracles. And so they, they were confused. They marveled. They were like, it blew their mind. They marveled like these uneducated, untrained men. And then they kind of put it two and two together. Oh, they've been with Jesus. Because you know what Jesus does? When you spend time with Jesus and you spend time in prayer and you get in a 50-day group of preparation and you spend time in the Word of God and you spend time with Jesus, you know what He does? He builds something in you more powerful than your training, more powerful than your education, and if you do have an education, and you have been trained with whatever, he doesn't waste that. You submit that to him, and he'll make it even better. He'll take your PhD and bring it to another level. He'll take your master's degree and bring it to another level. So whoever you are and wherever you've been, if you come and submit whatever you have to him, he makes it better. And, and, and so it, what the world, what I believe the world needs to see right now is people who've been with Jesus. People who've been with Jesus. Well, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I be with Jesus? What do, I, what do I go? What's in prayer with an open Bible and an open heart? You know, they've been with Jesus. And then they walk through this whole thing about, you know, we're not, should the people, the, people, uh, the authorities told them they could not preach or teach or do any of this Jesus stuff anymore. And they say, well, okay, you know, um, Tell you what, we're going to obey God rather than man. They were honoring and they were honorable, but they, they said, we're going to obey God rather than man. They didn't pick up their pitchforks and fight against them. They just said, we're, and so they got, they got, you know, persecuted and then they got let go. And when they let go, the other thing that I saw in this is verse um, 20, I think it's 23. That's a little bit of a faith guess. 23. Uh, where it says, when they were let go, they returned to their own companions. And your Bible might say different phrases there, but they had a, they had a group of people that they returned to because they had a, a, a prayer life with a group of, not just by themselves, but they had a prayer, group, a prayer life with a group of people. And there's a powerful dynamic in that. And when they got together, they raised their voices together. They prayed the word of God. And here's what they were praying for. Grant to us that we may preach your word boldly. Stretch out your hand, God. They, they, here's what they said. God, God, you see their threats. You see their threats. And so we're not going to deal with their threats. We're giving their threats to you. You do something about their threats. Because we're here in your name. So really, this is not even our problem. This is your problem. And we pray that you solve the problem with boldness through your people. And then the last thing I want you to see in this, which, man, there's so much more, but if you look over in verse uh, 33, and I know Susan Lewis is going to love this because she loves, she's quoted this verse to me numerous times over the years. Um, first of all, verse 32 and then 33 uh, of Acts chapter 4. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul, and neither did anyone say that they were, the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And here's the part she likes. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 
And it talks about this prosperity that they had. They had this unbelievable prosperity to where they were uh, the prosperity of God in their life was not greed and it wasn't selfishness and it wasn't me, me, me and I, I, I. It was prosperity for the purpose of generosity and the prosperity came out of a prayer life and an obedient life and it came out of great Grace. So when we see great grace, like we've talked about faith and great faith here at Faith Center. And Jesus would say, oh, ye of little faith. Um, But now we see grace, but now we see great grace. So that means a bunch of people were walking by grace through faith. What happens when a bunch of people come together and they start living a lifestyle that is dominated by grace through faith? What happens is great grace is released. And what does great grace look like? Promised land living. Debt free. You know, what if every family, what if every family in Paducah was debt free? Well, yeah, the government can, I ain't talking about the government doing nothing. I'm talking about God doing something. His grace doing something. And so the great grace of God Upon our lives. And so that brings me back to Zechariah. And I'm just going to, I just got to show you this little bit. Go in, in your Bible back to Zechariah. For those who've never seen it, you know, just trust the Holy Spirit to help you find it. <laughs> Zechariah, and I'm just going to one, two, skip a few to praying. So in Zechariah, if you, in, in chapter one, and I, you might want to, if, if you really want to study this out, you might want to get a pen out because I'm going to go pretty fast through some of these things. And you can read Zechariah on your own. Just remember this. Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. So when people, because in a couple days, or probably maybe tomorrow, I'll start talking about how to pray from the, from the promised land. We'll talk about David and talk about some other people there. But So tonight we're talking about how to come back out of Babylon. How to have a comeback. How to come back to God's first plan for your life. You have a pastor, you don't know what happened. It doesn't matter what happened. What are you going to do about it? See, what happens to you is not as important as what happens in you. And when you make a decision to say, I'm going to walk by grace through faith, then you position yourself for great grace to begin to accelerate in your life. You position yourself for that. And so... uh, what Zechariah is, 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 was used with, with throughout, if you study Zechariah, you have Zerubbabel, that's a cool name, Zeru, I just like saying Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel and, and, and Joshua uh, are, are the two leaders, and it represents the, the, the government and, and the priesthood, the high priest, so it's the governor and the high priest, it rep, which represents the, 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 the twofold dimension even of Jesus Christ. He's king of kings, but he's also high priest. So we are a kingdom of priests. We have a twofold dimension. So what we do in the house of God as priests should not stay in the house of God. It should go to all the land and all the, all, in our business, in our family. It should, it should hit every area of the land. And, and so it's not just let's have a better church service. It's what we do as people of God, as Christians, as the church should affect the entire land. Every business, the economy, crime, everything. Should affect everything. Because we're king priest. Because that's who Jesus is. So we're praying with a kingdom authority and a priestly heart. And, and so Joshua and Zerubbabel are used to, to uh, 
Zerubbabel is to lead the people back and then and not just lead them back, but rebuild. So when we're talking about coming back from Babylon, coming back from confusion, you're coming back to actually start rebuilding. And now, now from coming back from Babylon to the promised land, you don't have to get Egypt out of you because that was way back over here, but you have to get Babylon out of you. You got to remember who you are. You got to remember who God is. And you got to return. So in, Ze- in Zechariah chapter 1, what he says prophetically is, return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Notice that. Notice that. That's so cool. See, in Egypt, you couldn't come to God. So God came where you couldn't go. God came to you because you couldn't come to him. So when we pray like Moses, we're praying for someone to like, you know, Rambo to go in and just uh, set the cap. Well, I guess Rambo didn't set captives free. I don't know. But anyways, to go in and, and go behind the enemy's gates and set people free. Because you couldn't go as a slave of sin. You couldn't come to God. But, but as someone in Babylon and coming back from Babylon, he put responsibility. You have responsibility as a believer. And maybe you fell, or maybe you, you failed, or maybe you've been struggling, whatever. But if you're a believer, if you, have, if you know the Lord, and you've been walking in ministry and purpose, and you've been walking with God for a season, but you've fallen away and you're in Babylon, then what he says to you, what he says to you, he doesn't go all the way to Babylon to bring you out. What he says to you, return to me, and I'll return to you. The Bible says, draw, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. What that tells me is we have the ability, even when we don't feel like it, we have the ability to come to God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, I believe it is, come boldly to the throne of grace. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us, come boldly to the throne of grace. So even when you feel like, oh, I'm not worthy, or I can't do it, or I can't whatever, all that's hogwash. All that's Babylon talk. You know God's got a calling on your life. You know God's got a gifting on your life. Now, you need wisdom and all that stuff of how to walk it out. You don't, you don't, you don't do this without wisdom. You have wisdom when you walk it out. But, but you got to start with the thing, thing of saying, you know what, Lord, I will respond to your word. You say return. You say return to you and that you will return to me. And so there's that, there's that thing of you, you coming back to him. And to the degree that you come back to him is the degree that he comes back to you. Powerful, powerful thing. And so he, he, he does this through the whole book of Zechariah, speaking all these amazing promises. And, and look over in verse, uh, in, since we're in chapter 1, just look in verse 17. I love this. Because you see the word again. Again. You see again, 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 again. See, when you're coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land, it's not again. It's for the first time. You're ministering for the first time. You're, you're serving for the first time. But when you're coming back from Babylon, it's again. It's again. I'm going to empower you again. And so what he says, I love, there's lots of proclamations for them to say, for them to say things. Uh, In verse 17, he says, again, proclaim, again, proclaim, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again spread out through prosperity And the Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. So that's all prophetic, not just about the promised land physically, but about us living in the promised life. Like, like for example, when Jesus said, when, when Zechariah said through the Lord, return to me, he didn't just say return to church. He didn't just say return to church. He said return to me. And so now when he's saying, he's saying, I say that because my cities, 
See, promised land living, listen to me, every business owner who's watching, listen to me. Uh, and every governmental leader, listen to me. This ain't your city. By grace, through faith, it's his city. He's put you in a position within the city, and you have responsibility within the city, but if you're a believer, I don't care what denomination, if you're a believer, then you have to have the heartbeat of, not this is my city, this is his city, and it's the city in which I serve him first, then I serve the people. Because I'm his representative to the people. And so what he says over the city is more important than what I say over the city. I want to put his word in my mouth. And that's why we're praying. Praying like Zacharias, putting God's word in your mouth. And you're saying, you're saying, come back. You're saying, come back. You're saying, return, return. When we prayed for the people in Egypt, we were, we were saying, Pharaoh, let God's people go. When we were praying through the wilderness, we, we were declaring this thing that they could go in and possess the land. And now what we're doing is we're praying that they, they, you can return to the Lord. And when you return to the Lord, the Lord will return to you. And you will re, He, through you, re, will rebuild those ancient ruins. And the glory on the latter house will be better than the glory on the former because the love and mercy of God is displayed greatly when there are scars. And so he's saying here, proclaim again, I'm going to prosper my people, my cities. See, as long as they're his cities, then they're under the jurisdiction of his prosperity. Because they're his. They're his. See, he does, he's not obligated to prosper something that's yours. But everything that's yours needs to be his. And then he goes through, man, this is, this is so much stuff. Um, for sake of time, I mean, Zechariah 2 is incredible. Zechariah 3 is incredible. All of this is incredible. He says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how the rebuilding happens. You're not smart enough to come back. If you were smart enough to make a comeback, you would have made a comeback. You're not smart enough to bring the business back. You're not smart enough to bring the ministry back. That's why we need to pray and say, not by my might, not by my strength, not by my power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. By your spirit. And skip all... Oh, this is so hard for me to do this. But skip all the way over uh, to... Uh, Zechariah 12. Actually, two places. Go to Zechariah 4. I think it's in 4. Oh, yeah, this man, Zechariah 4 is incredible. Right after the verse I was just reading, what he says, look, look at this 4 verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? And this is talking, this, uh, who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? So Zerubbabel is the, the king with Joshua the priest that's representing God. And so there's a mountain standing before them. Who are you, O mountain, uh, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. This mountain, this, this obstacle, God's saying, you're going to become a plain. I'm removing the obstacle. And then he says, uh, and he shall bring forth the capstone. That word capstone means finished stone, which what it means, it speaks to the completion 
That he's going to finish. He's going to, God, is going, God, through his leadership, is going to remove the obstacle and he's going to complete the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, and put the capstone on it. Well, that was talking about the temple of the Old Testament. And when the capstone, the finished stone, like the, the last project of the remodel and the rebuild, the capstone, and when that capstone is put to it, there'd be shouts because it's finished. And there'd be shouts, grace, grace. That's that great grace we're talking about. Because you see, so, so here's what it means for us believers in the New Testament. When we live out of the finished work of Christ, we have shouts of grace, grace, because it's finished. And even though there's things that are unfinished in our life, we walk by faith, and the faith gives us access to grace, and the grace is a capstone that says, I live in what Jesus finished for me. And so we pray from a finished place. We pray from the end, knowing God's working it all out for good. And then you skip over to, to Zechariah. Oh, I've ripped my Bible. Mm. Over Zechariah uh, 12. And this will be the last scripture I share, and then we're going to pray. So you can go ahead and come on up to the keyboard if, if you want. I know you want to read that verse, but just listen real well. <laughs> she has her Bible open reading. That's so good. Uh, verse Zechariah 12. Man, it's so good. Uh, verse 10. Um, Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out, or I will pour on the house of David. We'll talk more about the house of David in the promised land. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. And supplication. And that's talking about this, this request for favor. So when you talk, see grace and, and supplication, it's talking about the favor of God, the kindness of God, the, the unbelievable, miraculous power of God being released through our life, seeing His kindness and favor come. Great grace! Debt-free, families restored, people healthy, people whole, people not in depression anymore, people that are walking strong and walking well and, and living and enjoying their life, serving God, not serving themselves, but living for the glory of God, being prosperous to help other people in their need and bring them out of poverty. Being, bringing other people out of their Babylon and their depression or whatever it may be. So he says, may a spirit of grace and supplication that they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve him as, as one grieves his firstborn. So I believe in the New Testament what that's speaking to us about. Because we always have to read the Old Testament with the New Testament perspective because Jesus fulfilled it. And, and what he's saying is when we look upon, when we look upon the one who they pierced, what we see is the spirit of grace, because Jesus was full of grace and truth. And he's the reason the early church walked in great grace, because they had a spirit of prayer, and they had a spirit of, or spirit of, they had a grace to pray. And when they had a grace to pray, grace was increased they increase in the favor and grace of God in every area of their life. And persecution increased, suffering increased, hardships increased. You will face that when you walk with Jesus. It's not, it's not that a grace teaching and a prosperity teaching is not that you won't ever suffer or you won't ever struggle or you won't ever be persecuted or bad things won't ever happen to you. Actually, more bad may happen to you, but what will happen is it won't defeat you. You'll be empowered through it. 
And so what, what the Zacharias prayer of the people coming back to rebuild is, Lord, give God's pouring out a grace to pray when we look at the pierced one. And when we see what Jesus finished for us at Calvary, we pray from that place of grace. And he gives us a spirit of grace to pray. To start praying the finished work of Jesus over everybody who's left in Babylon struggling. And here's what we say. It's because Jesus was pierced, you can prosper again. Because Jesus was pierced, you have the grace to come back. Some of you, I just sense this, I just sense this, that you're watching and you're, you've been away from Faith Center, you've been away from, and specifically, Faith Center for a long time. And you think, I don't know if I could come back. Let me just tell you something. If he can bring me back, he can bring you back. And we're going to welcome you. We're going to welcome you. And we're going to put you to prayer, and we're going to put you to work. And we're going to welcome you. Because there's ministry and there's life that Jesus wants to bring through you. And the place to start, if you're going to come back, the first place to start is prayer. Prayer. So tonight as we begin to, to pray, um, let's, just, let's just seek the Lord. You can come to the altar, do whatever you need to do, minister to one another with, you know, using wisdom. And let's begin to pray for, our, for ourselves, our churches, our families. Let the Lord lead you in people who need a comeback and start declaring the word of the Lord, that boldness, they'd have a boldness to come back and start praying for a release of that great grace that starts with the grace to pray. So Father, give us a grace to pray. Give us a grace to pray to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. Give us a grace to pray, Lord. We honor you, we bless you, we magnify you, we thank you.